you have a Bible, Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to be this morning. Matthew chapter 6, if you use one of our Bibles, that's page 678, Matthew chapter 6. We've, we've been in a series where we've been talking together about what it means to be a family that lives on mission together, to be this like spiritual family that's living into the mission of God. And uh, every single week, we, we've just kind of had like one aspect of what it means for us to, to be missional together. And uh, th- this morning, we're, we're going to talk about kind of an aspect of our lives together that may feel a little bit uncomfortable. We're going to talk about what it means to be people that are radically generous. And I, here, here's what I found is anytime you talk about people's money, they get really uncomfortable. Um, but, but, but Jesus talked about money more than he talked about prayer in all seriousness. And that if we want to be followers of Jesus, that this is, this is a huge part uh, of what it means for us to follow Jesus. And so this morning, I want us to talk about what, it, what does it mean for us to be a family that is radically generous for the sake of the poor. And so this isn't radically generous so we can build a building next week. We're not like rolling out some campaign. This is like, what does it look like to be radically generous for the sake of the poor uh, as we seek um, to follow Jesus uh, together? And so that's what we're gonna talk about out of Matthew chapter six. So uh, a few weeks ago, I had this pretty profound moment. I was in my kitchen and uh, my, my three sons were there in, in the kitchen and they were kind of doing their thing. And my middle son, Jack, who is five years old, he walks into the kitchen and he has two pieces of candy in his hands. And my other two sons, who were like drug dogs at the airport when it comes to sweets, like they could just sense that there was candy somewhere in the vicinity. They start like looking around and they realize Jack has these two pieces of candy in his hand. And they immediately just start bartering with, with Jack. Like, hey, what do we need to do to get that candy? Now, Jack, of all of our kids, they're all sweet, but he's got this like really tender heart. Like he wants everybody to, to have the same thing. He wants everybody to have equality. It's just kind of the way that God has wired him. And so immediately he is in this place of tension. He looks down in his little hand. He's got these two pieces of candy. He's got two brothers plus himself, and he's just doing the math. He's in kindergarten going, I don't know how this is going to work out. (laughs) And so he's looking at his hand, and uh, they start bartering. He says, guys, I would split it, but the candy is hard. I don't know if we can break it. We'll get crumbs everywhere. And he's trying to figure out how to do it. My oldest son, who's the diplomat, he's like, if you just give me all the candy, and I'll make sure (laughs) it gets distributed appropriately. And he's like working through it, and he's in this place of turmoil. So I'm there in the kitchen listening to this conversation unfold. And so then I interject and I say, hey, hey, buddy, if, if you will bless your brothers, I will bless your socks off. If you will be good to them, I will be good to you in ways that you can't even imagine. And, and his ears kind of perk up and he's like, okay, what do you mean? Like, let's talk details, dad. Like, like <laughs> are you talking candy for candy? More candy, better candy? Where's the candy? Like, uh, how long until I get the candy? And, and he's just asking me, he, he wants to know, like, hey, well, like, what are you talking? And I'm like, hey, if, just trust me. If, if you bless them, I'm, I'm going to bless you. And he's in this just place of turmoil, just sitting there, like, looking at the candy. And it was this, it, just this epic moment. He, he looks at his brothers. He looks at his hand. He looks at his brothers. He looks at me. He looks at his hand. And then he throws both pieces of candy in his mouth and says, sorry, I just have two. <laughs> and uh, and uh, he, he walks out of the room. And I thought, man, haven't you been there? Have you, have, I know you thought that was going somewhere else. Like, you thought he was going to give it, and then just the blessings of heaven were going to fall. No, uh, he ate the candy. I spanked him into it. No, I, <laughs> but haven't you like been in that place before? Like, where you 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 see this need and you want to meet it, and then you start looking at your your own resources. You look at what you have, and you start doing the math, and you go, the math just doesn't work. And you start trying to figure it out and you start trying to go, okay, God, how's this supposed to work? I, I, this, I love this person. I see, the, I see the need, but I also have to take care of myself. And maybe you've been in that place before. 
And I was, I was watching my son as they were trying to interact and figure this all out, and I just felt like God was just giving me this, this kingdom revelation. And I began to realize that, that my son, Jack, he wasn't able to bless his brothers. He wasn't able to bless them because he didn't trust me. It wasn't that he had a lack of resources, that there was this breakdown in relationship. That like deep down, he thought, if, if I look out for them, no one's gonna look out for me. Like if, if I bless them, who's going to bless me? And there was this, this moment where the thing that was in question was not his resource, but ultimately our relationship. And here's what I'm deeply convinced of is that generosity, if you take notes, like press this down into your heart, generosity is never a question of resource. Generosity is a question of relationship. It's a question of relationship between us and our Heavenly Father. It's a question of relationship between us and the poor. Generosity is never ultimately about resource. It's about relationship. And wherever there is a breakdown of relationship, there will always be a restriction of resource. Wherever there is a breakdown of relationship, there will always be a restriction of resource. And my son couldn't bless them ultimately because he didn't trust me. Here's what I believe about you. I'm gonna give all of us the benefit of the doubt. I believe if you're here in a place like this on a Sunday morning, that you long for your life to be a conduit of blessing to others, that you wanna be generous, that you want God to use your life for the sake of blessing those that are in need. But I think a lot of us, we come to this place where we don't know what to do, and it's not because we're diabolically greedy or self-centered. Maybe a few of you are. For, for the truth, most of us were just scared and we find ourselves in the kitchen and our father's there, we hear his voice and we see the need, but there's this tension in us going, if we take care of them, who's gonna take care of us? And God says, this is where I come in to the story. And Jesus is gonna speak to the heart of this in one of his most famous sermons ever, Matthew chapter six. Jesus is in his early 30s. He has been baptized. The spirit of God has come down on him at his baptism. He's gone through the temptation and the testing in the desert. And he comes out on the other side of that stronger than ever. And Matthew 6 tells us that he sat down on this hillside amongst all these people. And he begins to give them this glimpse. He begins to stretch their gospel imagination of what it means to be fully human. This is Jesus' manifesto on what it means to be alive. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And he's, he's speaking into all of these areas. And there's this moment right here in the middle of the sermon where Jesus begins casting this vision for how it is that God wants to use our lives. He says, hey, God, God wants to use you to be this blessing for others, but there is this thing that is going to restrict you if you're not careful. And Jesus begins to speak into the heart of what it is that either makes us generous or keeps us from being generous. And I, I want to start in verse 19 of Matthew 6. We're gonna read through the whole passage. There's so much that we could dig into, but I just want us to kind of stay on point this morning. Verse 19 starts like this. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, it, treasure could speak to your time. It could speak to your talents. It could speak to your energy. All those things are true. But I want you to notice that Jesus in this moment is uniquely speaking to our understanding of resource, okay? Financial resource. Jump down to verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink about your body or what you will wear is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. 
They don't sow or reap. They don't store things up in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Maybe that's the word for some of you this morning. Like, he says, worry's not going to help. Verse 28, he says, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field, they grow. They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon, the richest of all kings, in all of his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans, those who don't know God, run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. This is the word of God coming through the lips of Jesus out of Matthew chapter six. Now here's what I want you to see this morning as Jesus talks about what it means to become people who are radically generous. And all throughout this, this teaching, there's kind of four big revelations that I want us to unpack, and Jesus is going to get to the heart of how we become generous together. But I want you to notice the first revelation is this, and it comes out of verse 19. The, the, the first revelation is this. Jesus reveals the pattern that most of humanity finds themselves in when it comes to their resources. He says, this is the pattern that most of humanity finds themselves in when it comes to dealing with resource. He says, they invest their resources in temporary things. Verse 19, he says, do not store it for yourselves treasures on earth, right? Where rust and moth destroy. Jesus says, hey, you have to be very careful. He says, there's this pattern of living that most human beings live into when it comes to their resources. And the pattern begins with this investing in temporary things. He says, the pattern then continues. You keep going on, you get to verse 25. He says, then the pattern continues when those temporary things, they let you down and all of a sudden you find yourself in this place of worry. Have you ever been there before? You're just like worried about the rent. You're worried about the bills. You're worried about the food. He says, he says this is the pattern you find yourself in. He says, you invest in temporary things and then you're overrun with worry. Jump down to verse 32. He says, and then you end up chasing after things the way that people who don't know God do. He says, this is what the pagans do. He says, this is what people that don't know God do. He says, they chase after, they find themselves in this cycle. This is the way that a lot of people end up dealing with their resources. They invested in temporary things. Those things let them down. It leads them to this place of worry and fear that they're not gonna have enough. And so they keep chasing, they keep chasing, and they keep chasing. And I love this in this little sermon. Jesus says, hey, let me reveal to you the pattern of life that most people live by. It's why so many people fight over money. This is why so many divorces happen because of money. This is why uh, across America, only 18% of American Christians give any resources to the poor. It's a stunning statistic to me. Only 18% of Christians in America give to the poor. And I'm convinced it's not because people are greedy or, 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 or so self-centered that they hate the poor. I believe a lot of times it's this fear that comes because we've been caught in this cycle. It's this, this pattern of life. This pattern, and I won't make you raise your hand, but a lot of us have been there. Maybe all of us have been there, and maybe many of us are still there. So he begins talking about resource, and I want you to notice he, he starts by revealing this pattern. But the second thing that he reveals is the problem that leads to this pattern. He says, there's this problem, jump down to verse 30. He says, this is the reason you end up in this pattern over and over and over. He says, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you of little faith? Jesus says, here's the problem. He says, the reason you're in the cycles that you're in, the reason you're not living generously the way you wanna live is not because you're greedy and not because you're self-centered. He says, it's not an issue of your finances, it's an issue of your faith. 
He says it's because you have little faith that you find yourself in this pattern. It's not because you don't have enough resource. Have you ever bought into the lie that like one day when I'm rich, like one day when I'm rich, I'll be generous. I remember when I was in high school, I had a mentor. Now he's a millionaire. He's a very wealthy guy, great dude. Every Thursday, he and I would go out to lunch together and we'd sit down and talk. I remember one day we're sitting there talking and he said, Dave, if you won the lottery, who would you bless? Like, who would you bless today? And I'm just telling him, here's what I'd do. I'd buy a house for my parents and cars. And you know, it's like a rapper's video, a rap video. You know, I'm just like telling him all the stuff I wanna do for all the people that I love. And uh, I love it. He looked at me and he said, what keeps you from blessing them today? And I'm like, I don't have any money. You, you're my boss, you know how little I make. And, and he said, well, maybe you can't bless them like that. He said, but you can bless them some. And he said, if you don't learn how to be generous now, you'll never be generous later because generosity is never about your resource. It's about your relationship. It's never about your finances. It's about your faith. And Jesus, he reveals this problem. He says, there's this problem. A lot of humanity, we find ourselves in this rat race. We invest in temporary things. They let us down. We're worried. We keep chasing after. And he says, but the problem behind that pattern of living comes down to a lack of faith a lack of trust. He reveals the pattern. He reveals the problem. But I love it. The third revelation in in this passage is he reveals the pathway out of that. Jesus says there's a way out of this. There's There's a way out of viewing life this way. There's a way out of being shackled by all of the things that have held you down. Look at this in verse 33. He says, here's the way out of that. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. Jesus says, hey, here's, here's the way out of, of that kind of living. He says, if you, if you wanna be set free, Jesus doesn't look at the crowd and say, the way to freedom is the accumulation of more. He doesn't say, hey, if you wanna be generous, you just have to save a little better and get a little smarter. He says, no, if you, if you wanna be generous, he says, the path to generosity is the rearrangement of your priorities. He says, no longer can you taking care of number one be the primary pursuit of your life. He says, seek first, what? The kingdom of God in his righteousness. He says, give your first place energy, give your first place thoughts, give your first place time, give your first place resources to God and to his kingdom. And he says, and that is the pathway by which the old way of living is broken. Now, immediately when we think this way, it flies in the face of everything. We're, we're like five-year-olds in the kitchen holding the candy again going, wait a minute, God, but if I do that, who takes care of me? Like if I really seek first, and here's what I'd argue is almost none of us believe this is true. So here's the danger of today's sermon. We're gonna study it, we'll kind of like it, but almost none of us will do it because we don't believe it's true. We don't believe it's true. Jesus says, seek first. Give your first place energy, your first place priority, your first place resources, entrust those into my hands and then watch what I will do. Jump back to verse 32, I want you to see this. Jesus says, be careful not to chase after these things for the pagans run after these things, things like clothes and food and all that stuff. He says, and your heavenly father, he knows that you what? Need them. Jesus doesn't say those things aren't important. He doesn't say, oh, you're just not spiritually. He says, no, all those things are needs. I know you need them. He says, but what I'm asking you to do is to rearrange your priorities. And when you rearrange your priorities, everything else will begin to fit in place. I think a lot of us, we we live our lives shackled by the lie that if you don't look out for you, no one else looks out for you. 
We're like people sitting on an airplane when the stewardess is giving those instructions that we all ignore where they say, when the little air thing falls down, what do they tell you? Put it on your face first and then help somebody else with the oxygen mask next, right? See, the kingdom of God is the exact opposite. In the kingdom of God, it's you look out for them and then God takes care of you. And it's the great reversal. It's the great reversal. See, Jesus, he reveals this pattern that so many live in, this, this pattern of investing in temporary things and being worried when those things begin to fail us and then chasing after. He reveals this problem that is ultimately about our relationship and not our resources. And then he reveals this path that is this upside down way of living where he says, if you seek first the kingdom of God, if you really seek first God, and then he gives us his promise. It's the fourth revelation. Look at the end of verse 33. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what does Jesus promise? He says, and all these things will be what? Come on, church. All these things will be, yeah, all these things will be added to you. All these things will be given to you. And here's what I know is I know most of us don't believe that. And so I go, here's the place that we have to find ourselves in. Either Jesus is a liar or we're missing out on the abundant life. Either Jesus is a liar or we're missing out on the abundant life. Jesus says, you watch, you trust me first, you give to me first, you lay down your resources to me first, and when you do that, I will take care of every single one of your needs. I'll take care of you. And there's this thing in us, I think when we think about this, it's like, it sounds kind of fun and risky, and I wonder if it's true. And here's the challenge with the teaching of Jesus. You never learn whether or not it's true until you what? Until you try it. <laughs> like, you cannot learn Matthew 6 sitting in that uncomfortable white plastic chair in this room. Like, you can't walk out of here going, man, like, I heard this sermon, and here's what I know. Like, the only way you discover the beauty of this truth is if we move beyond talking about it to actually trying it. Jesus says, if you'll go to this place where you no longer just give the kingdom of God your leftovers, but you give God your very, very best, then you begin to get to discover just how real God is and just how much he knows you and he sees you and he loves you. And the real reward of this whole passage is not simply that God gives you the physical things that you need. The real reward of the passage is that God gives you himself. And you begin to go, oh my goodness, there is indeed an invisible being out there who knows me, who loves me, who sees me, who's working for my good. And if I will look out for them, he will look out for me and I've got nothing to worry about. Can you imagine how liberating it would be if you had no fear of tomorrow? Like if you could just look at everything you had and you went, man, everything I have is the Lord's and it is his to be used for his glory and there's no fear that I'll ever run out because my father's the one that owns a thousand cattle on a thousand hill and if he needs to sell one to take care of me, he'll do so because that's who our father is. But the reason so many of us struggle with generosity is not because we don't have the resources, because we don't have the relationship. And we're like kids in the kitchen going, if I give this to them, who's going to take care of me? Hey, if I really give this to them, who's going to take care of me? And so we throw the candy in our mouth and we walk out of the room and we go, I'm sure the father has got it. And the truth is he does, 
But in the moment, we end up forfeiting the joy and the blessing of just knowing how amazing he is. What, what, what a beautiful invitation this is into the life of, of Jesus. Now, here's what I want you to hear like very clearly this morning. Is that in order to live this out, it, it will stretch us. It, it will take us to the end of ourselves. You know, maybe you've heard some more sermons of this on TV where the guy says, if you just sew in a dollar... The Lord will sow back, back tenfold, and that's not the way that this is going. I'm not trying to get you to give so Sydney and I can build a jacuzzi in our backyard. Like, you know, next week, we're, ra- we're raising an offering. We're giving 100% of it away to the poor, and here's what I know, that we can give in one of two ways. We can give like the world. Like, you can go home this week, and you can think, okay, what do I have that I won't miss next week? And we can come back, and we can give like that, and God will use it. He'll use it. Or we can give like a disciple of Jesus. And we can go, God, what do you want me to give? Like, what do you want me to entrust you with? And we can watch God just do the unthinkable. See, see, here's the beauty in the kingdom is God never asks you to trust him with what you don't have. He just asks you to trust him with what you do have. So a lot of times we end up being like the disciples, you know, in that moment where Jesus is getting ready to feed the 5,000. They come to him and they say, Jesus, everybody's hungry. We should feed them. And Jesus says, uh, well, you feed them. And instantly these 12 guys that all quit their jobs, that now we're walking around Jesus. They're so poor. They don't have anything. Jesus looks at them, says, you feed them. They say, how's that going to work? That would take eight months of a person's wages. And Jesus says, go see what you have. You remember the way the story goes? They go find this one little kid, you know, it's probably Judas, he beat the kid up probably, took his Lunchable, I'm kidding, that didn't happen, but they take this kid's Lunchable, they bring him back to God, they give it, they, they give it to Jesus, and now they're even more depressed. All we have is this little lunch. And Jesus says, I didn't ask you to trust me with what you don't have, just with what you have. He says that Jesus took it and he multiplies it. See, we tend to operate with this satanic understanding of resource in the kingdom of God. He said, oh, if I, if I give, uh, it's over, I'm out, it's, it's up. And Jesus says, no, that's where the fun begins. You give, you, you watch me, you watch me. You give to the poor and watch the way that I'm gonna bless you. But, but, but the truth is, I want you to hear what Jesus says. Jesus does not say, seek first the kingdom of God and then everything you want in your way of living will stay held intact. That's not what Jesus says. That's what we want him to say, Right? That's not what Jesus says. Look back at verse 33. I want you to hear me very clearly before you try something crazy this week. I want you to understand what Jesus says. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, your your necessities, all these things will be given to you. That's what Jesus says. Can you just shake your head? I don't want to be held liable for this. Can you just shake your head? Come on, church. Do you hear me? Okay. So when you live the way that Jesus asks you to live, what he promises to do is to meet your needs, not meet all of your wants. I think about one of my, my good friends, he and his family, they live up in the D.C. area. And just an incredible family of faith. They have four children, and a few years ago, uh, they are, um, if I was gonna put them in a socioeconomic bracket, they are lower middle class family. And they just really sense God asking them to give generously. And so they, they gave a uncomfortable amount of their monthly salary to help with the needs of the poor in their area. And so they start giving uh, to help uh, with the needs of these people around them, and all of a sudden they get hit with this unexpected medical bill that just is about to sink them. And my friend, he just calls me. He's like, I have no idea what we're gonna do. I don't know how this is gonna work. He's like, just pray, and we're all praying. He says one night they're coming home from church. He's just utterly depressed. They get home, not sure how they're gonna make all the, uh, the bills work and how they're gonna feed their family. And on their porch is this huge thing of squash 
like the, the vegetable, you know, and there's this huge basket of squash, and he says, Dave, you have to know of all the vegetables that God created, the one I hate the most is squash. <laughs> and he says, I come back, and there's this thing of squash on our porch, and I'm like, Lord, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, is this a cruel joke? And he says, and for the next 25 days, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, we ate squash soup, and we ate squash in every way you can imagine it. And he said, if I hated squash before, he said, I hated it even more. He said, I related to the Israelites in the desert where manna was falling. And they're like, God, we're so sick of this miracle. We don't want the manna. And he said, I was there. And he said, but do you know what happened over that month? He said, never once did we skip a meal. He said, we'd show up at the gas station on fumes and somebody would pay for our gas. He said, somebody paid our rent. He said, these things would happen. He said, and I would have never chosen to have lived that way. But you know what happened? He said, I found the Lord. I found the realness of God. And I realized that there was an invisible God on the other side of those, all those prayers I'd prayed for years. And I could not discover him from the place of luxury. And it wasn't until I entrusted him and blessed others that I received the blessing of knowing him. Think about my friend Moses. Uh, he lives in Nairobi, Kenya. Moses, just this incredible man of God. He lived right there in the city. And he's telling me the story where they went through this season of just like really trying to leverage their resources as a family for God. And he said, they got down to the point where they said, God, we want to give everything we have for your kingdom and we're gonna trust they're gonna take care of us. And he said, it felt like it began to backfire on them. He said, he got to this place where one morning he's laying in bed with his wife and he wakes up and he just starts crying. He's there in bed crying and his wife's like, why are you crying? And he said, because in a few minutes, our three kids are gonna wake up, they're gonna go downstairs and there is no food in the pantry and I'm gonna have to figure out how to look them in the eye and tell them that their father does not make enough money to give them breakfast. And he said, this is the lowest moment of my manhood for me. So he's, he's walking down the stairs and he's just praying. He's like, Lord, would you fill the cupboards? Would you put food? Lord, you put food on the desert floor. You can put it in the cupboards. God, just please. He walks down there. His three little kids are sitting around the table. He's trying not to let them know what's going on. And he walks to the cabinets and he opens up the cabinets and they're empty. He said, he just sat there. He's just like, God, why? We love you, Lord. Why? Why would you allow me to be in this place like this? He said, he's there, he's just weeping at the cabinets because there's not enough food to feed his kids. And there's this knock on the door. Because the door and his neighbor from the apartment next door, she's there. And she said, hey, we actually cooked way too much for breakfast. Do you guys want it? And he said, we sat there and we ate like kings. And he said, and my heart was in turmoil because the Lord was doing exactly what the Lord told me he would do, but I hated every moment of it. Because nobody wants to live that way. Can we just all like admit like, None of us want to live that way. But we do want to know God that way, don't we? We do want to know God that way. Church, there's deeper waters for us to swim in. But we will not swim in the deeper waters until we're, uh, until we're courageous enough to let go of our places of comfort. And I, I just want to tell you, when you take Jesus at his word, the blessings always flow, but the blessings will not always look the way you want them to look. And here's what I know is the Lord's gonna give us an opportunity today, tomorrow, this week, to, to really allow the blessings to flow. And you and I, we get to decide. We get to decide what will we do? What will we do? And so here, here's what I wanna challenge you to do. If, if you weren't here last week, 
You need to go back online. You need to listen to the sermon that Brandon preached last week. He talked about our offering for next week and what it is that we're gonna do in India and how it is that we're partnering with some of the poorest of the poor in the world in churches and in schools. It's just amazing. Go back. It'll be the best 35 minutes of your week as you begin to imagine what it is that God can do in your life. Now, here's what I want to challenge you to do as individuals, as families, whatever it is. Uh, just a few practical things before we wrap this sermon up and we go and take communion and enter into a time of worship. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. Number one, really ask God this week to help you know what it is that he's asking you to give for the sake of the poor. Just ask the Lord and, and, and then just listen. And here, here's, what I've, here's what I've found so often in my life is um, so often his number is different than my number. <laughs> and uh, his, his number is typically more than I was comfortable with. And I want you to hear this. Some of you are going, I don't make any money. Uh, it may be you trusting the Lord with a dollar. But just ask the Lord, like, like, Lord, what is it that you're asking me to give to the poor? So number one, I'd, I'd invite you to spend time this week really asking and really listening. Um, for Sydney and I, just to be transparent, um, this is the moment every year where she and I get typically into our biggest fights around, around our birthday Sunday and around Easter Sunday because we're trying to listen to the Lord together and we're trying to figure out what that number is. And we're both, we're just at war because that old pattern is so strong still in us. We're trying to figure out how much can we really trust the Lord? How much can we really give? But I want to challenge you to really listen, to really listen. Number two, to come next week ready to be obedient, to come ready next week to, to write the check, to, to give the money. We're going to give 100% of it away to the poor. Come ready next week to be uncomfortable with your own generosity. And then number three, pay attention to what it is that God's going to do in your life. I remember years ago, Sydney and I, we were in this season where uh, just a lot of different needs going on in our life. We didn't know what to do about it. And so I took this envelope, and I had this envelope, and I'd forgotten about this story until just a few days ago. I had this envelope, and I'd write down, here's the things that we need this month. I'd chop them up, and I'd put them in the envelope, and I'd seal it, and we had that put on our refrigerator. And every day when I just go to the fridge, I just pray over that little envelope. I didn't tell anybody what was in the envelope. I didn't tell anybody what we needed. And it was amazing. Every time God would meet those needs, I would be reminded of the realness of the Lord. I'd be just reminded of how real and how extravagant it is. See, see Jesus here, he's speaking straight to our hearts and he's saying, hey, listen, if, if you wanna know how great God is, just walk in a place of radical generosity. Because the truth is, we cannot bless the world until we trust God. And so this morning, if you don't hear anything else, here's what I want you to hear me say. Here's my whole sermon in a nutshell. God, your Father, he knows you, he sees you, he loves you, and he is completely worthy of your trust. And it is never a bad bet to put all of your eggs in God's basket. You'll never look back and go, oh, yeah. Man, he, he let me down. And I just want to invite you this week into the journey of trust. And let's see what it is that God is going to do. I want to invite you to stand up with me. I'm going to pray over us. And then we're going to take communion together. And we're going to worship and we're just going to seek the Lord. If you need prayers, man, maybe you're in this journey of faith and, and you just need somebody to pray over you. Maybe you sense God calling you to let go of something. Man, there'll be some men and women over at the Respond Banner. We'd love to pray over you this, this morning. I just want to invite you to, to close your eyes and just put your hands out in front of you. With your hands out in front of you, I just want you to, to pretend as though all of your worldly possessions could fit in your hands. 
And I know they can't because we, we live in a place where we're so blessed, but I just want you to picture all of your worldly possessions are in your hands. God, this morning as a church, we just stand before you and symbolically we are trying to do what is so difficult to do in our real lives. And that is trust you. Trust you with everything, including our own well-being. God, I pray that not just this morning, but this week, you would re arrange the way that we see the things that you've put in our hands. God, I pray that you would help us to, to release those things, to understand that all of these things are yours. And that God, our lives, that we're really just kind of like uh, your bank. You put resources and you can withdraw them and send them and transfer them wherever you want to, however you want to do that. God, I pray that you would use us as you would see fit in the coming week. And that God, you would use our generosity as a church family to really change what it is that's going on in the global church. God, would you fill us with joy and with courage and with vision this week? And God, would you give us the, the ability to see how real you are on the other side of that provision? God, thank you, thank you, thank you for being trustworthy. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray and give thanks. Amen.